stepping of this man, Richard Hart. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! This Knight gets away, Knight up to the 22, he won't be caught! Welcome back, episode three. Uh, today is myself and the Doctor. Harry is out in the sunny Dubai. I will be joining him shortly. But how are we doing, Luke Trahan? Bora, very well, thank you. Just yeah, getting ready for a busy week in Hong Kong. Um, had a really good weekend. Managed to actually win our first game as Valley RFC in the Hong Kong Championship here. So now we're one and four, and hopefully this is the start of gaining some momentum this season. Uh, and then watch my girlfriend Meg compete in High Rocks, which we chatted about last season. Pretty cool fitness event that's on. So she did the pairs after doing the falls last year, and her and her partner Joe absolutely smashed it, along with loads of other people in Hong Kong. Um, and I'm pretty sure are you still signed up to do one of the events this year, Mighty? No, no uh, me and Becky decided against it, mostly because she hates running and it's 50% running and I hadn't really trained for it. And it's a lot of money. Um, it was up in yeah. London. It's about 200 quid entry and then you factor in train, travel, accommodation, and it ends up being a 500 pound weekend. And I'm getting married next year, so I need all the money I can get. 100%. To be fair, it's cheaper in Hong Kong, so I don't know uh, why they're trying to get people's pants down in London like that. It doesn't seem fair. <laughs> London wages, mate, and uh, people got too much expendable income over there. So they might do one in Cardiff, apparently. There's rumours it might come to Cardiff. If that was the case, I would, because you can travel up and back in a day. But yeah, the big smoke, it's uh, it swallows up your money. It, it really does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fair. No, if they did one in Cardiff, that'd be pretty cool. I think they are trying to hit off all the different big cities in the world. So, yeah, well, that'd be pretty sick if they did. Who did uh, Who did you beat in rugby? Uh, so we played against one of the other team called Tigers. Uh, so they were also 0-4, and four, so it's kind of a bottom-of-the-table clash. Uh, it was a pretty decent game. Um, and then, yeah, we pulled away just towards the end. Uh, so I can't remember the score, but about 30 points to 16 or something like that, I think. Nice. Any meat pies? No meat pies helps set up one of the tries. Um, but yeah, no, nothing for me. Yeah, I normally leave it a bit later in the season before I start scoring any tries. Peaking, peaking at the end of year time, man. Love that. So we always ask for nice reviews, nice messages. And um, Yayan has sent us one in saying he's thoroughly enjoying the podcast, says he's a first year college player and has played 15s all his life. So listening to the pod, following the This Is Seventh page, has grown his interest more and more and he uh, just said keep smashing it lads uh the pod luck and good luck with everything so uh really appreciate messages like that um if you do want to send one in you can email us you can send it to the instagram page or leave the review on spotify wherever you listen to your podcast but really appreciate that what a guy yayan is what a guy thank you for that yeah yeah. And yeah we appreciate it if you are listening in hit us up with a review wherever you get your podcasts and send us your messages of support or any questions you got because we will read them out and we will go into your questions in more detail if you do ask some so with that we'll go into the news for this week uh first things first it was double gold for fiji in the pacific games uh this year was held on the solomon islands do you know where the solomon Islands is doctor uh i wouldn't be able to point it out on a map particularly accurately, but I think roughly the right area. I think I could get it into, yeah. 
Yeah, go on, give us give us your guesses. <laughs> um, so if I was going to say the Solomon Islands, I think you're going to be going east from Fiji and maybe a little bit north as well. Yeah, not How bad. Close? It's uh, it's east of Papua New Guinea, so above okay. Australia, sort of northeast of uh, Australia. Six major islands and nine hundred smaller islands. Population seven hundred thousand. Anyway, the men's and women's competition for the rugby sevens was won by Fiji. Fiji men beat Samoa nineteen five, while Tonga beat PNG nineteen seven in the bronze medal, and the Fijian women beat. Papua New Guinea, seventeen seven. So that bodes well for Fiji heading into Dubai, which is good for them. And also Samoa looking pretty decent. But it's not a huge tournament, just uh, between the sort of island nations of the Pacific. So no Australia or no New Zealand. So not a huge event. And World Rugby have announced their Challenger Series. Uh, it's a three-round, 12-team format which provides promotion pathway to next year's series, 2024-2025. Like we spoke about, top four placed men's and women's teams will secure their place in the new promotion event in the grand final in Madrid. And it runs from January to May. Uh, So there's three uh, events before the final. There's Dubai and Uruguay, which are both men and women. And then women are playing in Krakow in Poland, and the men are playing their final tournament in Munich, Thoughts on this uh, World Rugby Challenger Series, Doc? I really like it. it was the we were we were looking forward to this kind of announcement towards the end of last season. Um, obviously, there was the big changes in the going from sixteen to twelve men's teams, and then we were obviously very interested to see how this kind of promotion relegation pathway would work. So this is the other part of that in terms of who's going to qualify to play in that Madrid tournament. I think it's great that they've got three tournaments that they can play in, in the build-up. Like we've seen one tournament in the past, two tournaments in the past. Um, and I think just given these countries that aren't on the World Series, more opportunity to play, more chances to develop as teams and build up to potentially this big promotion in Madrid. I think that's only positive for the game and it helps bridge that gap between teams that are on the World Series and those that are just below it. Yeah, it's a really good event. It's up from two events from last year. It's up to three, which is far better. It allows a little bit more well, tight teams to get into the flow. Uh, two tournaments isn't enough. Uh, you can have an off weekend, one weekend, and you're completely out of it. So at least three allows for a little bit more consistency and rewards that. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Dubai, great location. Uruguay will be, again, it's a growing sport over in South America, so it's good to see them taking the events over there. And there's two events in Europe, which is fair enough, considering there is a large European contingent uh, for both men's and the women's teams. Any of those teams stand out uh, in the men's men's tournament for you in terms of who would you be edging your bets on? Uh, in the men's tournament, um, so obviously teams like Germany, uh, Chile always do really well. Um, I'd love to see Hong Kong go really well in those tournaments and and get into this challenger final in Madrid. Um, that'd be massive. Um, yeah, who who are you fancying from there? So, yeah, like you said, there's a good mixture. There's a lot of teams that have played on the World Series, you know, like some Portugal, who used to be a core team. Uh, you've got Uruguay, who obviously got relegated last year. Hong Kong, which are always a huge team. Japan, Kenya. Uh, you forget they got relegated last year. Oh, yeah. uh, Uganda course, as well. So. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. But like you said, top four go up into this playoff. So that's quite nice that it's not just a, 
a top one or a top two. Uh, again, it allows some one or two teams to slip up but st- still be rewarded. But yeah, uh, I put some money on Kenya, uh, Uruguay, probably one of the European sides, someone like a Germany, and then Hong Kong or Uganda, really. But yeah, it's anyone. It's anyone's game. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think they're very they'd be good teams to put your money on. I just wonder with this Challenger series, I'd love to see them keep adding tournaments to it a year. Like if they could get up to say five tournaments, it would be very easy for these teams to start going back to their unions and showing that even if you're not on the World Series, you're still in like a very worthwhile series to play for and fund and bring through the next generation of players. And I just wonder whether they use this as a chance to scope out maybe new tournament locations, like it's going to um, Uruguay, like you said. I just wonder if that turns into an incredible tournament, whether that starts featuring on the World Series as well. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of potential with this Challenger Series, not just from a rugby perspective and the playing and the sta- just bringing the standard of sevens up, but also from the business point of view. As we said in the last pod, a lot of these changes by World Rugby are financially motivated as well. Um, so I think this would be a great testing ground for different venues, different tournaments. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love it to get up to the seven and run alongside the men's you know, and the women's major events. You have a two-tier competition, but yet, like you said, it's down to finances. People don't realise world rugby, you know, pays for a lot of this. Teams got to fly out, accommodation costs, food costs. It all adds up when you've got squads of 14 boys plus assisting staff. Uh, it starts to really rack up. So if you've got 24 teams, then becoming 48, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. But yeah, I like the look of some of these tournaments. I'd love to have one over in Wales. We've talked about it here. Yeah. The Millennium Stadium would be a perfect venue, uh, being located in the city of Cardiff. Uh, you've got the Arms Park adjacent to it, uh, which is artificial for warming up, etc. But yeah, fans will be bouncing for that. I think closed roof as well, so you're going to be guaranteed good weather. But yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see um, the grow in this tournament and hopefully it will continue to grow in the coming years. Would you um, would you want to see exactly the same men, uh, exactly the same tournaments in the Challenger Series as the um, World Series teams? I think. Yeah, that's I, a good point. I'm I'm just thinking in terms of if we are looking to grow the game. One, I just I feel like you'd almost end up with the same problems as what caused the initial sixteen to twelve in the men's games. And well, like you said, like why not stick a tournament in Cardiff? Stick a tournament. Um, somewhere else maybe in Central America just go to these different places where these teams are trying to qualify from and who knows what kind of markets what kind of business might want to also be involved with the sevens then um so yeah I, I almost feel like I'd love to see it as sevens as well the more opportunities for people to play more tournaments for what us to watch and talk about is even better and um, but yeah I think they should definitely keep it separate and start looking at these different different locations yeah, really rogue places like like Alaska. <laughs> that would that would be class. The um how many people were watching that? What's it called? The Midnight Sevens you went to in Alaska? Is that what it's called? The mid the, the Midnight Sun Sevens, yeah. It was some rich bloke who's got a pitch in his garden on the clifftop in Anchorage with a massive hangar outside. And it just looks out over to the the bay. It was incredible. And like Midnight Sun, mostly because in summer the sun doesn't really set out in Alaska it does but yeah it doesn't stay dark for very long so yeah crazy conditions over there and, and a crazy tournament but yeah that would, that would be good just to 
you know, having really rogue locations and unique locations. But I'm actually probably looking forward to the Challenger Series a little bit more than the World Series this year because they've introduced this uh, grand final event and it kind of takes away the fun a little bit. So I think there'll be a lot more jeopardy in this Challenger Series uh, and I think some of the games will be really heavily contested. So hopefully we can get some live streams. Uh, if World Rugby don't have any live streams, I'm happy to come in and give them a hand. And I know you are, Doc. We're happy to step up to the plate. <laughs> We're going to hold the cat. So you go up one end of the pitch, I'll go up the other end of the pitch, and we should cover everything. Two cameras. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. GoPro on the head job. No. Uh, <laughs> now, hopefully, they, they provide some great coverage because, again, it's about growing the game and you've got some huge teams in there. You know, Kenya's got a huge fan base. So I think for them, they'd love the opportunity to be able to watch along and follow their team. 100%. Right, let's move on to this week's main topic, the Dubai 7. So that tournament, this tournament is going to kick off the World Series for both the men and the women. It is the opening event. It's been the opening event for some time now. Um, Doc, what do you love about Dubai and the 7s? Well, it started the series for a long time for a good reason. It is an absolutely incredible tournament. It's probably worth calling it a festival rather than a tournament with everything else that goes on. Um, I think if you split it into how players love it, how fans love it, um, it just ticks so many boxes. Um, In terms of things to do, a place to visit, it's always unbelievable weather. It's literally as if you're living in a simulation. It's just perfect weather every single day. There's so many like activities to do, whether you're there as a player or a spectator. You can go out to the desert. You can do dune bashing. There's different beaches. There's all the malls. There's the water parks. Uh, There's loads of different places to go have food um, and some incredible buildings. Like I know that sounds strange to say, but the first time you see the Burj Khalifa or or buildings like that, it is really, really impressive. Um, And then when it comes to the tournament, it's just incredible. There's the music, there's the festival, the rugby, the different layers to the rugby as well, not just the international men's and women's. There's all the invitational, the vets. They have the different sports going on, like the uh, netball. I think pretty sure they're introducing cricket and potentially some CrossFit to it as well. Um, It's just a massive, massive celebration of everything that's good in rugby. Um, I absolutely love it as a tournament. I've done it since uh, I was playing the invitational circuit and then was lucky enough to do it a load of times as a as an international so yeah i love it how about you yeah man i'm a huge huge fan of the dubai sevens i've been out there as a player uh, as a coach and i will be going out now as a sort of creator videographer so looking forward to seeing it from that angle but yeah interestingly interestingly i played in dubai for the first time 10 years ago so be 10 year reunion be going back uh be quite a nice nice thing to do in a different format we're looking forward to that but yeah i played there twice as a player and i coached there but not played in the invitational tournament it does look like a class tournament there uh but yeah everything that goes on like you said there's 15 non-pro rugby competitions, there's cricket, there's netball, CrossFit, and this year they've introduced the sport of paddle. Uh, oh, which nice. Is, yeah, interesting, uh, which is really interesting. But And they've also got a land and sea fancy dress. So, Okay, what are you going what, as then? Yeah, I was just about to ask, what, what would be your choice of fancy dress for land and sea? Uh, land and sea... You could combine the two, do something like a seahorse. I don't know, get a big group of you. 
Um, I do remember, it's just the first thing that always comes to my head when I think of uh, fancy dress in Dubai. One year there was a group of, there must have been about 40 plus people dressed as horses, you know, when they have the little jockeys on top of them and they were taking in yeah. turns doing ra- races around the outside of the um the pitch which has got probably about a five meter gap where everybody can just walk around in dubai and they were basically just doing races around it as the games were going on and then like if you won or if you lost it looked like you're having some kind of forfeit uh though that horse fancy dress always sticks in my head and i always thought it was a very good one for a big group of you or a team to do yeah you, you got to kind of think about the, the conditions of dubai very hot very humid you know so it's somewhere you don't really want to be wearing a heavy fancy dress costume or something that will burden you with bulkiness. So I was thinking like a dinosaur costume, but you don't want to be in an inflatable suit all day because <laughs> you will end up passing out from all the sweat you lose. Maybe one of those uh, jellyfish you people see with the umbrellas. That would be good because oh, yeah. provide you shade all day. Provide you with shade all day, you know? Yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Although if you lose your umbrella, then that's your whole fancy dress gone then. Yeah, Aquaman maybe. Top top off. Just carry a trident. Just make sure you stick that, that sun cream on that pasty, pasty body of yours. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Dubai stud would batter me. Would batter me. But no, I, I absolutely love Dubai. Uh, it's a huge festival. It keeps growing. It's bigger every year. And it's just such a unique event, the way it's organized, uh, the way it brings together multiple rugby tournaments, multiple sports. And yeah, it's just a a great place to kick off the season. Uh, Speaking of the season, what do we think of this year's Dubai Sevens, Doc? Who who do we think is going to win it from from your end? Who's uh, who do you want to dive into first women's or men's? Well, let's start with the men. Um, South Africa are notoriously the kings of Dubai, 10 times winners. They've actually won, I think they've won four of the last seven tournaments and seven of the last nine. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, they they beat Ireland 21-5 last year to win the final. And the last time they weren't victorious on Dubai soil was back in 2018, uh, where New Zealand beat USA. Uh, got three very tough groups, Pool A, Canada, New Zealand, Samoa, Republic of South Africa, Pool B, Argentina, Australia, Ireland, Spain, and Pool C, Fiji, France, Great Britain, and the US of A. Don't I don't even know where to start, mate. Where where, where do you where do you want to start? Um, well, let's let's stick with South Africa and Pool A. Like big news for them in that uh, Speckman is going to be back. I think for this year's tournament, which is huge news. Um, we chatted a bit about it the uh, tournament restructuring and how it's going to create such big games straight away. And just looking at that group, you're going to get to see New Zealand, South Africa on day one in Dubai, which is going to be absolutely crazy. Um, Looking at that pool, just going based off uh, last year's results and then where teams have kind of been in this summer period, I feel New Zealand should qualify top of that one. Um, and if I had to put money on it, I'd feel like a silly man if I didn't put it on New Zealand for the whole tournament, to be honest. What are you thinking from that, Paul? Laying your cards out early. Fair, fair play. I think it's going to be a tough day in the office for Canada. A uh, very tough day in the office. Um, yeah, it's a savage pool. You know, you've got last se- last season series winners 
Kings of Dubai and Samoa are just physical and they're a team that's grown over the last couple of years and I think they're going to continue to get better. So I, I feel for Canada. I think being the nature of sevens, it's hard to call. Uh, and yeah, bounce the ball. But I could see all three of the other teams getting through. Uh, like we said, it's 12-team format now. So the top two from every group go through and the two best runners up. So I think Canada could be the perennial whipping boys of this group, but they could prove me wrong. They could have had a great preseason. We like to get things wrong on this this podcast. So uh, yeah, probably go for or New Zealand, to all all three teams apart from Canada to, to qualify for that pool. And I'm going to hold off saying who's going to win. Uh, I'm going to make that call once we, we discuss the other pools. What about Pool B, Doc? Um, it's funny when it was the 16 teams, you'd normally look at the pools and you'd be like, there's maybe two slightly tougher ones, two slightly easier to call pools. Now looking, if we just jump straight into Pool B, this is where the 12-team format just gets crazy. So you're looking at Argentina, Spain, Australia and Ireland. Um all four teams which can and have beaten each other, all four teams which pretty much always are in good form going into tournaments. Um, I think this is going to be very hard to call this group, but if I had to put money on two, I'm going to say Argentina and Ireland get out of that one. Yeah, I can care. I think Harry talked me over with his new coach they've got in on mental toughness and and all that so yeah i think uh island for the win i'm gonna win culture sorry sorry forgotten forgotten about it already (laughs) they're Uh, just gonna (laughs) drown the drown the other teams in culture and and get top of that pool i think yeah i agree yeah i agree argentina and Ireland. The culture masters, although Australia, you never know how they're going to be. They 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 sometimes can perform out of their skin, other times not so well. Uh, Spain as well, very young side towards the end of last year. We don't know how those boys are developed, but it's so tough to call. Like you, like you just spoken about the the sixteen team format, you would kind of have two two favourites in each pool. Now every game is is a final, which is great, which we want to see. Um, it makes it so, so tough for these teams and very, very hard to call. But yeah, uh, Ireland and Argentina, uh, potentially Australia getting through there. And Pool C. <laughs> and then this is where it just gets completely ridiculous now with Pool C. Fiji, USA, France and Great Britain. Um, there is going to be a lot of fireworks in this pool. Um, all four teams have had relatively good summers. Um France, I'd seen, have been down in Fiji for quite a few weeks training with the Fijian Sevens team. So I'm sure that's done them a load of good. Um, I saw them running up the the famous sand dunes together, which looked like a very cool experience, something I would absolutely love to do myself. Um, If I had to pick two from this pool, based off just current form, I'd have to say, France and Fiji, but I'd obviously love to see Great Britain going through as a either in the top two or as a third place from that pool. Nice, yeah. Um, okay, again, it's just we might as well roll some dice. Could be, could be anyone. Very hard to base it off summer form. Uh, Fiji again, I think should go through, and then either France or the the US of A. I think they could surprise a few people this year. Um, not sure what Mike Friday's been cooking up over there, but he's let some of the younger players uh, play in the summer events, 
getting them some experience. So it'd be interesting to see whether he's going for a, a youthful setup this year or he's he's getting all the big boys in and going all guns blazing. But yeah, can't can't afford to be complacent. They have qualified for the Olympics, so there's less pressure on them. But you know, they want to be in that top eight and it's it's gonna be a very, very tough year. Yeah, it it probably is worth noting that uh, that USA under twenty three team, I think they've been calling it, has gone to quite a few of the tournaments this summer, and they've done very very well. Um, and great to see a country as big as the USA having that kind of next generation coming through. Um, I think I'm right in saying they won Rugby Town sevens this summer as well, which is which is a tough tournament to win. Um, so yeah, hopefully seeing these next stars stars come onto the onto the series this year. Nice, yeah. I'm going to go for Argentina to win Dubai this year. Good call. What are you? Uh, what are you basing that on? Just, just alphabetical. <laughs> hey, that's as good a reasoning as any. That is. I just had to double check. I was like, oh no, they're not the first alphabet. No, they are. They are the first <laughs> alphabetical team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Argentina for me. <laughs> Moving on from the men to the women. Uh, Australia, the current champions, they beat New Zealand last year, 26-19. They are six-time winners and have won the last three tournaments in Dubai. And in fact, apart from Canada, who won the inaugural tournament back in 2011, New Zealand and Australia have won 11 out of the 12 tournaments here in Dubai, with New Zealand winning it five times last time they won it was back in 2019 uh the three pools uh we'll start with pool a uh fiji great britain new zealand south africa pool b australia brazil ireland japan pool c is canada france spain and usa so we'll take it back to pool a thoughts doc yeah Another huge pool, our first chance to see the women's teams in action as well. Um, some great bit of news earlier on in the week, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, Georgia Miller um, from New Zealand, she signed a four-year deal up until 2027, which I think is massive for the sport. And maybe went a little bit unnoticed because Anton Dupont and Michael Hooper announced that they were switching over or potentially going to switch over during this season to prepare for the Olympics. She was an incredible rising star last year. She was involved in so much good that that New Zealand did and, and helped them with the tournaments that they were winning. Um, so for her to sign a four-year deal, I think, says says a lot about where they're heading in terms of their programme, not just maybe for this Olympics, but for the Olympics afterwards. And hopefully that just keeps um, uh, not forcing or encouraging all the other teams, uh, all the big stars in the women's game to sign these deals, stay in the sevens, and yeah, travel around in the World Series. In terms of the results from this pool, um, South Africa obviously qualified for the Olympics earlier this summer as well. Fiji have been in great form. Probably quite hard to pick the two winners from that. Um, potentially, this could be one of the pools where three go through. Um, and then I'd, I'd have to say New Zealand, Fiji and Great Britain for me um, qualifying from Pool A. How about you? Yeah, I, I I go with the same. Um, do we know the Great Britain team yet? Have you spoken to anyone? Have they announced their squads, Doc? Uh, they have announced the squads, but they've not announced them publicly just yet, I don't think, unless they've done it while we're recording. No, they haven't. Uh, will the women have Meg Jones and Jasmine Joyce in their side? 
Uh, no, so Meg Jones is going to be out, I think, for the whole year, playing with the Red Roses and playing in the women's Premiership 15s. And I think the plan is for her to come back in just before the Olympics. So um, I think that allows some other players to come back over from the Red Roses and into the seven setup to help uh, the preparation. Obviously, GB women have qualified for the Olympics already. Um, and I think the idea is to give some more opportunities and experience to try and widen the squad so that by the time it does come to Paris, they're all ready and firing and have got the best 12, 13 women in the team ready to go. I, I think, like that. She'll be a huge loss, though. Yeah, she will be. She, she was always involved in uh, amazing things for England and GB. Um, uh, and already just in the women's uh, 15s I've seen some incredible highlight tries again um, she's just carrying on that form from 7s taking her straight into 15s continuing to build build her name up yeah she's been carving up for Leicester Tigers women doing Meg Jones things uh, seeing her highlight clips have been incredible uh, any potential players we should look out for in that GB women's squad when it gets announced <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I can answer that one I'm towing a fine line there to be honest um, but maybe yeah we'll talk about more of the teams maybe next week when we uh, review the tournament okay okay sitting on the fence we don't like that over here shame on you Doc shame on you <laughs> right from uh, Pool A to Pool B uh, Australia Brazil Ireland Japan what's your, what's your thoughts um, so similar just to the news with George and Miller, uh, the Levi sisters have also signed, I think it's a two or a three year contract. Again, they were such standout players, not just in Australia, but on the, on the whole women's series. Um, amazing to see them committing to long-term deals. And I think that's just only going to strengthen the sport in terms of this group. I think it should be Australia and Ireland going through, um, uh, equally, Japan have just qualified for the Olympics. They they look like they're in good form. Um, and Brazil have taken the scalps of some of the big teams over the last few years. So uh, if I had to put my money on it, Australia and Ireland. Uh, but equally, there could potentially be an upset in that pool, I think. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. Australia and Ireland to go through. Australia and Ireland to go through and potentially uh, Japan to go through as a, a third-place runner-up. Uh, finally, Pool C, Canada, France, Spain, and the US of A. So, big pool, uh, big teams in here. Uh, this is one where I think three teams are likely to go through as well. Um, I put money on USA, France, and Canada going through. But again, Spain took a couple of big scalps, and I'm pretty sure in Dubai last year, did they beat Fiji? Am I right in saying that? Well, they definitely beat one of the one of the top teams. Uh, potentially that could happen again. But yeah, the the three teams I think going through from there: USA, France, Canada. Nice. No, uh, yeah, same. Uh, USA, France, very strong side. Uh, Canada sort of going through a bit of transition year last year, so hopefully we'll see them back to their world beating best, which we know they can play at. So, Doc, that rounds up the international tournament any more thoughts on on dubai sevens before we move on um, i just have really fond memories of playing it um i think we did joke around with harry last week as well about seeing him barasti 
Um, and I think that is one of the best post-tournament nights out as well. It's on the beach. You've got the massive mount, um, buildings behind you. It feels very like rock and roll as if it was straight out of like a GTA game. Um, and yeah, especially if you go and do the in, international invitational tournament, you get plenty of chance to go and have a few drinks as well as play the rugby. Um, and yeah, they're just always great trips, to be honest. Um, how about yourself? Any Anything st- stand out from Dubai? Before I speak about mine, any any key memories from on the field or off the field? Um, on the field, I remember, I think it was the first time I played in the International Invitational. Um, I think I'd either just, I might have just turned 18, but we got to the final. So on the final, you actually get to play in front of the big crowd on the main pitch. Um, we were there as a samurai team and we played, but we were mainly made up of players from... Wales and England and then we got all the way to the final and we played against the Samurai team which was pretty much the South African development team which is quite common to see happening um, and they had a team of I'm pretty sure Quagga Smith was playing in it, Chesden Colby, um, who else was there? Justin Gadul might have been in that one as well uh, and I just remember being at the sweeper position Cheslin Colby came off the bench, obviously didn't have a clue who he was at the time. Um, and I just have never tried to tackle someone and miss them so blatantly after they've stepped me in my life to the point I had to like look up, look around and be like, what on earth just happened there? Um, so that always sticks in my mind, but great to see obviously where he's gone on to now. So it doesn't, doesn't make me feel quite as embarrassed. Um, and then off the field, uh, I think potentially that same trip, I just remember um lying down on a um a beach bed in Barasti, just looking up, just being like, This is the life, isn't it? Playing rugby, just having good fun with your friends, doing it in a, doing a bit of travelling as well. Um and then I'm pretty sure straight after having that thought I just threw up everywhere and then just kicked a bit of sand over it just to cover it up and carried on with my night. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> My favourite memories from Dubai. Uh, I've got some good ones on the field. Uh, I think scoring my first try, putting two past Scotland, scoring against Australia. I've also got some bad ones. I got a lovely photo of me somewhere online getting a shotgun handoff from Henry Spates to the chest, uh, and him going the length. That was that's not that'll a great happen. memory. Uh, that'll happen. Happens to the best of us. He's not a bad winger, uh, indeed. Uh, but yeah, some great memories on the field, uh, off the field, coaching a few years ago. Uh, it was great just to see the tournament from sort of a, a non-playing perspective because when you are playing as an international player, you kind of get sort of swallowed up by the main event. You kind of, in that little bit of a bubble, you walk from the main stadium to there's a sort of a large building in the in the centre of the complex where people have food and you, you wind down. So you're kind of just walking back and forth and because of the heat and you want to spend time off feet, you don't really get much of a chance to explore the outer pitches. So from being able to see it from a, a non-international playing perspective was really cool. I also got wristbands for the VIP area. So that was pretty epic to see the hangar and all the sort of fanciness that goes into the VIP section and free alcohol. That, that's always good. And then, yeah, just experiencing that from a fan being in the stands uh and then yeah barasti is always a good one isn't it can't, can't be a good night in barasti fantastic were you, who are you you were on side of stage for someone when you had those 
wristbands, if I remember correctly. Who was that? Yes, that was. Oh, they must have been. So good. They must have been good. They must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Disclosure who were playing on the Saturday, and we had tickets to go backstage, which was pretty cool. Uh, James Haskell was also there, and I caught him shazamming Disclosure songs, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. So, superstar <laughs> DJ James Haskell shazamming other artists' songs. You heard it here first, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, getting to experience that and yeah i reeled it in because we had a red eye flight uh the next day got pretty messy actually because we were out there with the ur7s and there's a few youngsters that first trip to dubai got a little bit excited and i was kind of the adult in charge and i'd cut loose the two previous nights i knew because we had a red eye flight i think we were going straight from dubai sevens to the airport i knew to wind it in because those those flights when you're Drunk and hungover are not enjoyable. You remember me in Vancouver uh, a fair few years ago. I was in a right pickle. Uh, but yeah, we had a few boys go missing, uh, nearly missed the bus. And then we had one lad who lost his passport at the airport and he had to empty his bag. And it was just an absolute shambles. Uh, I felt like I was a teacher on a school trip trying to organize this rabble of young, drunk uh, 19 20 year olds really so yeah it was uh it was an interesting interesting tournament but it was it was very fun for the first two nights but yeah it became a little <laughs> bit tedious at the end when i had to uh organize this shambles of a group of men to try and get on the flight uh i think we checked one one lad's bag in because he wasn't even at the airport somehow he turned up on, in a taxi uh just before we, we we departed so yeah it was it was an interesting interesting weekend character building that's what you call that very much so very much so uh what is this week's this is this isn't servants doc cool so starting off this week with this isn't servants so this is going to all you lovely listeners out there who haven't yet given us a five-star review or left a few comments wherever you listen to your podcast awards uh we're into the second season now you should probably just like it takes 30 seconds get the app up hit a five-star review even leave a lovely comment just really helps us get uh noticed or seen by other people who want to listen uh to some sevens podcasting so any help would be greatly appreciated moving on to this is sevens we talk about them an awful lot uh it kind of gets mentioned once every three episodes i reckon uh but gaston revol is not only back for another season of sevens but today is, in fact, his birthday. He feels like he's been around forever. He predated me on the seven series. He somehow managed to last longer than I have. He's still playing. He's still in incredible form. He's not loved just in Argentina, but around the world. Uh, not just of how he is as a person, but how he plays. Uh, even though he's obviously getting a bit older, he is not afraid to put his face into every single tackle. And he's so key for this Argentinian team, particularly in the last two or three years as, they, as they've risen to one of the superpowers on the Seven Series. Uh, so this week's This Is Sevens is a massive happy birthday to one of the absolute legends, Gaston Revol. What do you think of those, Nighty? Yeah, happy birthday, Gaston. I think they're going to do studies on him uh, in terms of longevity. <laughs> <laughs> man's gonna be man's gonna be playing when he's fifty years old. He's gonna be playing like the twenty forty Olympics. Hundred percent. He's gonna be like a seven eight time Olympian or something crazy. 
Madness. No, some, some good ones there. Some really good ones there. So, Doc, uh, this week I'm going to add a new addition to the podcast. It's called Underhyped or Overhyped, where I'm going to read out some topics and we're going to discuss if they're underhyped or overhyped. And hopefully our listeners will submit some uh, some questions as well and some some responses. So, first, first things first, Dubai City. Is it overhyped or underhyped? As a city... Overhyped. As a place, as a place, yeah, overhyped. I think it's good for a stopover, but I wouldn't necessarily spend a week there. But when the sevens comes into town, it is absolutely incredible and well worth the whole week or ten days or however long you go there for. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's overhyped as a place, but well worth going for the sevens if you can make a weekend of it. You can tick off two. You can have an incredible experience of the sevens, but also take in the very uh, crazy sights of the desert. It's literally a city in the desert. Uh, next one, Pukari Sweat. <laughs> oh, Pukari Sweat. <laughs> Try, explain Pukari Sweat for, to the listeners if they don't know what it is. Okay, so it's actually come back into my life since moving to Hong Kong. But there was one year we went to Dubai Sevens and the tournaments are very good at organising the food. Like the food in the hotel is absolutely incredible. They do all the food at the stadium as well. And we rocked up to one of the changing rooms, I think in the week building up to it. And normally they've supplied some sort of water, some sort of like isotonic drink because it is so hot there for the teams. Normally you're thinking of your like power age of Gatorades and then one year we turned up and there was just all these bright blue cans and on the front of it it just said Pukari Sweat and obviously we've all started drinking it like he's probably had about two before we've even gone out to train and our uh, S&C at the time came in and absolutely flipped the lid probably for quite right reasons he was like one is this definitely from the tournament is it tested are we open it just Partly because of the name. One, it sounds disgusting, but it also sounds like a supplement that would be uh, uh, have something else in it as well. Um, as it turns out, it's completely fine. Around the rest of the world, bar the UK, it's actually very common. Uh, isotonic drink, like in every 7-Eleven here in Hong Kong, it's there. Um, but yeah, our S&C wasn't best pleased. And Nighty was uh, very respectful and said he wasn't going to drink any anymore and uh, did as he was told. Um, and didn't then go and drink about another five straight after training as well before he got to the bottom of it. Um, so in terms of overhyped or underhyped, um, I actually think it's underhyped because I actually rate it quite highly now that I'm in Hong Kong. And I wouldn't say I have it uh, every every post-training session, but quite regularly here in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's definitely underhyped. It's liquid gold, that sort of stuff. It's fantastic. Great for getting the electronics back in. Great for a hangover. Just overall refreshing. So if you are going out to Dubai for the sevens, get some Bakari sweat down you lad. Because it is delicious. Right. Next one is foam rolling. Foam rolling. Okay. For me, I'm going to say overhyped. I think there is a time and a place for it. But I think you often see it not just at the wrong time of place in kind of the general population or on Instagram or TikTok, but I also don't think a lot of people understand why they do something like foam rolling. I'll be completely honest, I was never a massive fan of it. 
Um, I would rather a stretch do some stretching and a bit of activation with bands. I would often use that rather than the actual foam roller. Have you seen like the sticks? Um, so they're much smaller and you basically roll it up and down. I often like that. And then it would literally just be kind of like a two, three minute job where you would just get uh, all the fascia around your muscles moving. And then I go into activation and stretching. Um, but you do see a lot of people spending hours and hours a day on it. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to see, say, overhyped what do you think i used to be i used to be one of those people doc that used to spend hours and hours a a day on it i used to love it and they were all the range a couple of years ago they kind of faded out they've been taken over by theragun uh which i'm sure we'll chat about at another time but (laughs) yeah i've kind of i've moved away from them i think they are overhyped they do have a little bit of a place uh, if you need a little bit of release but i think it's more uh psychological and physical I much prefer uh, a hockey ball or a lacrosse ball because you can really hit some spots there. And like you said, static stretching. So uh, definitely overhyped for me. Uh, two more. Uh, paddle, the sport of paddle, which is now at the Dubai Servants. <laughs> um, so in Hong Kong, a lot of people are obsessed with pickleball, um, which is kind of like a very close cousin of paddle minus the surrounding uh, perspex or whatever is around the paddle court. That is a lot of fun. I can generally see myself playing pickleball. I've not tried paddleball, but it looks exactly the same. Um, I rate it. It's getting a lot of people who maybe necessarily aren't into sport, into sport. It's getting a lot of older people uh, who maybe used to like things like tennis or golf or whatever. They carry on playing sport because there's slightly less running in it or as much running as you want to do. Um, no, I, I'm going to say it's about the right level of hypeness um okay. i actually think it's i actually think it's going to keep growing to be honest what about you uh i think it's overhyped uh i think it's for <laughs> people in people in london with too much expendable income that can't play tennis yeah it's good for people who maybe don't have the physical attributes but for for the everyday person it's nah just play tennis <laughs> last, <laughs> last one business class flying business class uh business class is underhyped um just because if you ever think it's overhyped if you're on about to get on a flight from say australia you're in economy with the boys you walk up to get onto the plane you hand your economy ticket over and this machine goes beep beep and they're like oh they rip up your economy ticket and they just slide a business class ticket over to you. There's not many better feelings in the world. So I'm going to say it's underhyped because that is honestly, it got me every single time it happened to me. It's a game changer, isn't it? It's a game. Just being able to recline your seat so you can sleep and you can lie down. It's, it's next level. Food is on a different level. It's one of those, once you experience it, you never want to go back. Um, but then once you've had it, you get put back down to cattle class, you know how good it is. So it's always lingering. And when you go onto the plane and you turn right and the business class turn left, it's pretty, pretty brutal, pretty brutal. I'm going to say it's, it's underhyped. Yeah. On, on the note of business class as well, Dubai is a very good tournament because it is one of the main or the main sponsor is Emirates. 
So pretty much all the teams, uh, doesn't matter where they're coming from, either the whole team or quite a large proportion of the team will get business class flights on the way out, um, which is always amazing if you're one of those players. Uh, there was an unfortunate year once where I think out of the 12 players uh, or 13 players that went, 12 of the players got business class and one of the poor boys didn't get it. Um, which I really felt for him. But then he did have his choice of 11 other seats uh, in economy class, so he could lie down, but it's not the same thing. Um, but yeah, the the Emirates, kind of the flight to Dubai and then Cape Town, a good three, four of you are, are pretty much guaranteed to get an upgrade to business class with Emirates as the main sponsor. So if they want to sponsor the podcast, we're, we're open to that as well. Um, just yeah, have your people speak to our people and we'll, we'll see if we can come to an agreement. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take it. We'll we'll put you into the bidding process, the procure, the procurement process. But I remember my first ever away trip uh, with Wales Sevens. I managed to get upgraded to business class. We drew out of a hat, uh, and yeah, first trip away and straight up to business. So flying high. Me and Cubby. Uh, I remember Reese Shallard was furious. I think he'd been playing on the series for close to a decade and he never had business class and then i turn up on my first trip away straight up there so yeah phenomenal phenomenal but sorry just on that this is always a bit of a boat uh like a contention with me when we play with whale sevens we often had the uh still out of the hat as a um as a as, as kind of like keep it random um, I was always a fan of you have to have played at least one tournament before your name should be allowed to be put into that hat as well. Sevens, we often had quite a high turnover of players. Some would literally come in for one tournament, two tournament. Uh, and I remember Adam Thomas, uh, aka Bull, even by my second year, I think he'd never had business class and he'd been around for ages. So that was what sparked it for me. Um, and I just feel like you've got to put a little bit into the jersey before you kind of get something back off it. So for me, you just literally had to play in Dubai and then you could get business from Dubai to Cape Town when the links were together. But for me, you couldn't get the Dubai tournament straight away on your first one, which I always thought was quite reasonable. Other people in the management in the WRU did not think the same. Uh, and I did get my knuckles wrapped once or twice over that. But what your thoughts? Would, would you be in play on with that? Or you were one of these lucky lads in your first tournament to get it? Uh, you you sided with the WRU management or me is what I'm asking you, essentially. Sounds like you need some chips with all that salt you put out there, mate. <laughs> I I got I got business probably more time than anyone else. So I was I'm I'm still very happy about it. I just want it to be fair enough fair enough on everyone. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but let the boys play in it. You know, put up the chance. <laughs> <laughs> got got to pay to play. Pay to play is my uh, got to pay ethos. to play. Fair enough. That will round up this week's podcast. Uh, once again, if you could give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and send that review in, Doc will get you over a running plan. And if you have any questions, drop us uh, on social media, uh, drop us any questions you have and send us some in some suggestions for next week's underhyped or overhyped. Uh, until next week, Diochen Vaur. Diochen Vaur. Salange.